This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. This is Jonathan Hansen. I want to welcome you to the Warning Program. Today you're going to hear a message titled, Ding Dong Ditch. Originally recorded December 4, 2004, by Ty Goldstrom, who was filling in for me, one of my associate pastors at the time, and I was traveling the nations as I do constantly, and still do. But Ding Dong Ditch, what a title. So sit back and enjoy this message. God bless you. Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. You know, I believe it's okay to respond to the Word of God. Amen. I believe it's okay to respond to the Lord yes. during worship. Yes, amen. I believe that's okay. And I believe that the Lord enjoys it. Yes, he, does. he enjoys to hear His children respond to Him. Amen? amen. That's why we come together. If we could just do it in private all the time with a quiet voice, we could stay at home. But there's something powerful about coming together as a body. There's something that can't be done at home that can be done here. I believe that faith begets faith. And so that faith can arise and miracles can be happened because the level of faith has risen in this place. Our desire is that every single man, woman, and child in this place, that their faith would arise. Why? So they can see the power of God work in their lives. I remember the story of the man who was crippled, and they couldn't get to Jesus because the throngs were around him. So they went up on the roof and lowered him down, and the word of God says that he was healed because of their faith, because of the faith of the men that lowered him down. Jesus said, what great faith, and healed the crippled man. So today, if you feel like you don't have faith, you've come to a place of faith. Because the body of Christ has a measure of faith, and together, you can see miracles happen in your life. Amen? I believe it's okay to respond to the word of God. Amen? Amen. There is no curtain here. Amen? Amen. I believe it's okay to respond to Jesus in worship. Worship is not what you do for 30 minutes on a weekend when you sing. The worship service has not ended. We're going to continue to worship through the word. And then when the word is done, we're going to worship before the altar. And when that's done and you leave today, you're going to continue to worship. Because the lifestyle of the Christian is to worship. We don't go to worship services. We are a worship service unto the Lord. Amen? And so it's okay to be vocal. It won't 
hurt my feelings. If I see you respond to the word of God, I'll just know that I have a live congregation out there. Amen. Nehemiah chapter 8 says that all the people assembled as one man in the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra, the scribe, to bring out the book of the law of Moses. They said, Ezra, bring out the word of God, which the Lord has commanded for Israel. So on the first, first day of the seventh month, Ezra, the priest, brought the law, the word of God, before the assembly, which was made up of men and women who were able to understand. And he read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Verse 5 says, Ezra opened the book. He opened the word of God and all the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, all the people stood up and Ezra praised the Lord, the great God. And all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen! Amen! And they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. I believe it's okay to respond to the word of God. I believe it's okay if you want to stand up during a portion of of the word of God and say, Amen! Praise the Lord! At least you can say it's scriptural, amen? Amen. No one can accuse you of being a fool. No one can say you're fanatical. You can say the word of God says it. It says it right here. It's okay to respond to the word of God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I believe that if it's true that our lives are worship unto the Lord, if it's true that at any part of this service, whether it's the time where we sing, whether it's the time we hear the word of God, whether it's the time we're on the altar, what is a good time to receive your miracle? Right now. Hallelujah. It can even be right now. What is the condition? It's just simply to meet God at faith and say, yes, Lord, I believe it, and I receive it. As surely as a miracle can happen as you're singing, it can happen while you hear the word of God and respond to the word of God. As surely as it can happen around these altars, as surely as it can happen in your car, it can happen if you just respond to the will of God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Before we get into the word of God today, I want to do something a little different. I want to have a very special brother and sister in our ministry in this church come down and I want to do two things. First, I want to just pray for them. A blessing upon them if Brother Vance, Sister Jamie, many of you know Brother Vance and Sister Jamie and I've known them for quite a few years. So I'm privileged to see the progression of faith and the Holy Spirit in these two. And I deeply appreciate Brother Vance and Sister Jamie and what they do for this church and for the ministry. They sacrifice so much time and I want everyone to know that it doesn't go unnoticed. Amen? The Bible says give honor to who honor is due, and honor is due for this couple. And I want to pray for them today, that God will bless them. They just recently just moved into a new house. And I want to pray that God's anointing would be upon them. Why? Because we want to win the world for Jesus Christ. And it starts in our families, and it starts in our homes. And so we're going to pray for them, that God's spirit would be upon them, and that they would allow the spirit of God to work through them to touch the community around them. I believe that God doesn't bring you into a place just for yourself. He brings you into a place to be a lamp set upon a lampstand to give light into darkness. And so we're going to pray for their family, that God would bless them, bless them with the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and bless them financially. Brother Vance is still seeking a job, and There is expense in moving. 
And the, the move was something that he wasn't anticipating that came about. And so we as a church want to meet their need and help with some of the finances for this move because we don't want it to be a burden. We want it to be a blessing that they're in a new place to be able to use their gifts and their light to shine before men. And so I'm going to ask the pastors that are here, Pastor Mike, Pastor EJ, Pastor Tom. I'd also like if Elder Schmidt, would you come as well? Now I just want to lay hands on this couple and I want to pray the Lord's blessing upon them. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our God. And we lift up your name, Lord God, because it's only your name that should be lifted up. And we thank you, Lord God, for Jamie and for Vance and his family, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, from where they have been and where they are at and where they are going, Lord. You certainly have had your hand upon their lives, Lord God. We certainly can see the hand of God upon their lives as they have allowed you to change them. Day in and day out, they're becoming more like the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you for their lives, Lord. And we just want to pray a blessing, a blessing with this church upon their lives, Lord God, that in everything they do, and they're going in and they're going out, oh God, that you would bless them, that you would strengthen them, that you would heal them, Lord God, that you would set them free in every way, Lord God, that they can worship you like they never worshiped you before. We thank you, Lord, that you have brought them to a new place and a new house and a new Genesis, Lord. And we pray a mighty anointing upon them, Lord, that you would use them in that community, that you would use them in the Stanwood area, Lord God, to be shining lights that men could see their good works and give praise to the Father who is in heaven. And so, Father, we pray that you would bless them, Lord God. We realize that financially they need a blessing, and so we will bless them, Lord God, because you are able to do this great thing, Lord. And we thank you, Lord God, that we have the opportunity as the body of Christ to bless, to help. They are worthy of the help. And so, Father, I pray that this blessing would be a catalyst of something new, something wonderful, something terrific, something that we cannot even imagine, Lord God that this blessing would be something new. And they can look back into this day of blessing and say, the Lord started something new on that day. Let it be, Lord God. Let it be, Jesus. I pray that you would breathe upon them the gift of life. Breathe upon them, Lord God, with the breath of the Holy Ghost and fan in the flame the gift that was within them, Lord. Bless them. Bless them physically. Bless them spiritually and bless them materially. We commit them to you. And we love them, and we love you, Jesus. Bless them, Lord God. Thank you for their lives. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Vance and Jamie, for your servanthood. I want to take up an offering for them to help offset some of the expenses that it costs them for moving vans, etc., to move. And uh, I believe that one of the earmarks of revival in a church is a church that gives, a church that meets the needs, legitimate needs. When legitimate needs come up, the church meets the needs. And so I believe that that is an earmark of revival when people start laying down their assets for that very purpose. And so we want to honor the Lord and we want to honor Vance and Jamie, and show them that we deeply love them and respect them and want 
blessings in their lives. And so, Father, we just dedicate this offering to you, Lord, and we pray that it would meet every need. We pray, dear God, that every expense, whatever the total was, I don't even know what the total was, Lord God, but you know what the costs were. And you can stir our hearts to give appropriately in this case, Lord, to be able to meet the needs of this move, Lord. And we do, Lord God, want a blessing upon them, Lord. And we're just anticipating and expecting to see mighty things in their life. Thank you for the Millers, Lord God. Thank you for their family. Bless them, encourage them, and strengthen them. And meet all their needs as they seek you and desire you. And we commit this time and this offering and Vance and Jamie and their family to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you as you give. I want to read as I start today a <clears throat> quote from E.M. Bounds. Has anyone ever heard of E.M. Bounds? He's one of those writers where if you read, you can't go long without stopping and repenting. <laughs> There's very few books in my life that I've read that are like that. But whenever you read E.M. Bounds... He was a man that set his life to prayer. And we're going to speak about prayer today and one of the characteristics of prayer, but I want to read a quote by him as we start this afternoon. He says here that prayer is not the foe to work. It does not paralyze activity. It works mightily. Prayer itself is the greatest work. It springs activity, stimulates desire and effort. Prayer is not an opiate, but a tonic. It does not lull to sleep, but arouses anew for action. The lazy man does not, will not, cannot, for prayer demands energy. Praise you, Jesus. Paul calls it a striving, an agony. With Jacob, it was a wrestling. With a Canaanite woman, it was a struggle which called into play all the higher qualities of the soul and which demanded great force to meet. The closet is not an asylum for the indolent and worthless Christian. It is not a nursery where none but babes belong. It is the battlefield of the church. It's citadel, the scene of heroic and unearthly conflicts. The closet is the base of supplies for the Christian and the church. Cut off from it, there is nothing left but retreat and disaster. The energy of work, the mastery over self, the deliverance from fear, all spiritual results and graces are much advanced by prayer. The difference between the strength and experience, the holiness of Christians, is found in the contrast in their praying. Is that a good word today? Prayer as the work. We always talk about Christian works. And when we describe Christian works, they might go something like this. They might be about going and donating your time at a ministry. It might be about going and preaching in the streets or preaching in a pulpit. It might be about hosting a Bible lesson at your home. We always talk about Christian works as the things that we can observe, the things that are easily tangible, the things that we can weigh and measure. But Ian Bounds, and I believe the Bible says that prayer is the greatest work. Prayer in itself, if you can master prayer, then everything else takes care of itself. Amen. Everything that you do as an extension of your life in prayer will be in align with God's will if you're a man or a woman who's grounded in prayer. Yes, 
Amen? So the question is, how then shall I pray? And we're going to start today in Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18 and verse 1 says this, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. That's not a very good judge, amen? And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I do not fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Did you hear that? To him or her who cries out to him day or night. Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Do you catch that? The widow, the low class of society, trying to approach a judge. The widow in herself is helpless. The widow in herself has no power in herself to get this judge to do anything for her. She is weak. She is feeble. She is easy to cast aside and to push off. Yet, what was it about this widow that justice was won out in her life? It was only one thing. She persevered. Amen? She was persistent. She would not let go. She was like the spiritual pit bull that said, I'm grabbing on, and you can say anything you want, but I'm not letting go until I get my answer. And isn't it interesting in this parable that God would use the example of a man who claims, I don't fear God, and I don't care about man. And what the contrast, because we know that our Heavenly Father is a man who cares about you. Cast your burdens upon Jesus, because he cares for you. The very opposite of this judge, yet this judge, if you keep persisting and keep going, finally he will bend. How about a righteous God? How about a God who loves you? How about a God who would die for you? How much more would the love of Christ meet your need? Amen? Persistence. That's the only thing that she could bring to the table. She had nothing else. She did not have clout. She did not have money. She did not have prestige. She only had persistence. That's it. That was her only asset, was persistent, and persistence won out. What is the Lord teaching us? Matthew chapter 15, verse 21 says this, Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out 
after us. Now that tells me something about his disciples. <laughs> this is not what Pastor Hansen wants his disciples to do. Well. <laughs> Someone comes up and says, I need deliverance. I need a healing. I need this in my life. Demons are tormenting me. We're supposed to embrace those people. Amen? Yeah. We're supposed to bring them in, well. counsel them, disciple them, and then pray for them. We are the one to do the Lord's business, to advance the kingdom of God. We are the one to preach liberty, freedom, deliverance, to bind up the brokenhearted. Well. Not to say, tell, tell her to go away. She, she's interrupting our Bible study, Jesus. You know, she's interrupting it. We had a good thing going here. So it says there that Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged, send her away. For she keeps crying out after us. One thing that made me go, mm, when I read that is, she ain't crying out after us. No. She's crying out after Jesus. Yeah. Don't be confused, disciple. She knew who she needed to come to. She was crying out after Jesus. Not Peter and John, Jesus. Well, Amen? Yes. When we have a need, we cry out to Jesus. Yes. Amen? Verse 24, he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. So he's saying in essence here that though you're coming with a need, I'm sorry, but because of your background, because of who you are, I'm exempt from ministering to you. That's what he threw out there. Right? I came to the lost sheep of Israel. How would most of us respond? If we went into a church service and you went there expecting a miracle and you knew this man of God or this woman of God did signs and wonders and miracles and you went up to him and he said, I have a need. Will you pray for me? He says, no, I can't pray for you. What would you do? Most people would turn around and walk out and leave, wouldn't they? That's right. But you see what she did right after he said that? The woman came. That was her response. He put up a yield sign. She only saw the green light. Well, she said, I'm coming still. You can put up that yield sign, but I'm going to keep coming. All right. You can say, no, 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 but I say, yes, yes, yes. Yes, amen. So he put up a barrier to see how she would react. Well, and she kept coming. She didn't just come, she came and knelt before him. And she didn't just come and kneel, she opened her mouth and said, Lord, help me. And Jesus replied, second barrier. It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Well. Now again, I want to bring this to you. You came to a church service. You have a powerful affliction in your life or your family member. You're tormented by demons, you have a sickness and you come because there's a man or a woman of God that sees mighty miracles in their ministry. And you come up to them at the end of the service. Your faith is high. You believe he can do it. Power of Jesus is in him. And you say, Lord, sir, help me. He says, no, I can't help you. Then you say, no, Lord, I need your help. I need your help, sir. I need your help. He says, no, I can't give this grace, this miracle to mere dogs. What would be your response? Now he's insulted you. <laughs> Amen? He didn't just say no. Now he insulted you. Well, How would you respond? This is her response. Verse 27 says, yes, Lord. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Yes. 
Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. What is Jesus trying to teach us about prayer? Is he saying that there's going to be no barriers? Just one quick little prayer and everything will be answered? Is he saying just come and just do one little quick prayer, little token, walk away, and everything that you ever wanted? With this, that simple. We know by practicality that ain't true. Well. Hallelujah. Amen. It ain't true in my life. What is Jesus trying to teach us about prayer? There's another place in the Bible to teach about a man who late at night after bedtime came and knocked on his brother's door. This is his friend. Surely my friend will meet my need. Yeah. And he says what? Uh, there's a, I had a guest that came in from town and I wasn't expecting and I don't have any bread. Can you help me out here? And his friend says, I'm sorry, we're already in bed. The doors have been locked. I can't meet your need. And the man's a little embarrassed. Friend comes from out of town, he doesn't have nothing to serve him. Surely his friend will help him out. But his friend says, go away. <laughs> we're already in bed. He tries to plead based on their friendship. He tries to plead based on the necessity that this is an urgent matter. I need your help here. But his friend said no. And what was it that finally got his friend? I, I'm not going to get any sleep. I need to get up and meet his needs so he'll leave me alone so I can go back to sleep. He persevered. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He persevered. Perseverance. What is the Lord trying to teach us about prayer? Many times, it's the persistent, fervent prayer of faith that is the contingency to answered prayer. You know, when I was younger, much younger, <laughs> I played a little game called Ding Dong Ditch. How many hands, if you've ever heard of Ding Dong Ditch? Amen. How many hands? Let me see the hands. Ding Dong Ditch. How many Ding Dong Ditchers here? Only a couple. This is going to be a new story for some of you. Yeah. And you're going to realize that Pastor Ty once was unsaved. <laughs> Ding dong ditch. When I was quite young, many years ago, I used to, with my buddies, we'd go up and we'd find a neighbor's door. And we'd sneak around the side of the house and hide behind the bush. And then when the opportunity was perfect, we'd run up. And just ring that doorbell, ding, 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 and then run away quick. Ding dong, ditch. Amen. I used to do that. When I got saved, I stopped doing that. I was 22. So in contrast to the fervent prayer, the persisting prayer, the prayer that travails, if you want to have victory in your life, if you want to prevail in your Christian walk, then you must travail in prayer. If you fail to travail, you will fail to prevail. I guarantee it. It is 100%. If you're not willing to do the things that Jesus taught, if you're not willing to persevere, even when there's obstacles, then you will not see that prayer answered. It's just that simple. If you're okay with that, fine. If you want to live the nominal Christian life, fine. If you want to live the Christian life bound up with your own sins, remember that what I read by Ian Bounds, that the man or the woman that fails to do this kind of prayer, they have no mastery over themselves. 
Yourself is on the throne room. You cannot overcome your sin. You cannot overcome the struggles unless you're willing to prevail, to travail in fervent, persistent prayer. It's just up to you. Jesus doesn't say, if you want to be a Christian, if you want, you don't, you have to do this. He says, this is what's open to you. If you want to do it, if you'll heed it, then you'll find victory in your life. You'll find freedom over your sin. You'll see that you can move the mountain if you'll do these things. You don't have to do it. It's just an opportunity for you to do it. Amen? Amen. You have the permission. You have the opening, the opportunity to be a lazy Christian. That is one choice. Paul says that all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. It's permissible to be a lazy Christian, and most take that path. But if you will be part of that remnant within a remnant, if this church will be part of that remnant within the remnant, that will call upon the Lord, that will spend the hours on the knees, crying out to God, fasting in prayer, until you see the victory. When do you stop praying? Until the victory comes. That's when you stop praying for that. When the victory is there. But how many times do we as Christians do the prayer of ding-dong ditch? We go, we hide. And when the opportunity is right, when we feel okay, We run up, ding dong, Lord help me, I have a critical matter, I'm out of here. Play ding dong ditch with God all the time. We say we have all these urgent needs. Oh Lord, if you knew how I'm feeling, my physical body, my financial situation, I have a spirit of fear on me, oh Lord. But we'll never persevere in prayer. Isn't it true? We ring his doorbell, But then when he comes to answer, there's no one there. And we wonder, Lord, why aren't my prayers being answered? You know, Matthew chapter 7 says something that, it's a scripture that almost, I bet anyone in here could quote to me. Matthew 7, 7, I'm going to read it. I have four versions here. I'm going to read it in the New International first. It says in verse 7 of chapter 7 of Matthew, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Verse 8, for everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. So let's talk about ding-dong ditch in the light of Matthew chapter 7. That is a horrible translation of that text. If I could read it out of the King James, a horrible translation of New American Standard, a horrible translation of that text. Why? Because it almost makes it look like I knock one time, I knock, where's the answer? That is not what the text says. In my Bible right here, the the only one that I have that did it right is the Amplified. It is a present perfect. It means now and keep going. It's kind of like that whole salvation issue. I was saved, I am saved, and I'm being saved, and I will be saved. It is from back to forward. It is not just a one-time thing. I can say I'm saved right here. I am being saved. Remember? The word of God, heeding the word of God, because it can save your soul. That's what it says to Christians. It can save your soul. Present progressive into the future. This is how it should say. Keep on asking. 
and it will be given you. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who keeps on asking receives, and he who keeps on seeking finds. And to him who keeps on knocking, the door will be opened. That is what it's saying to you. That's what Jesus is saying to you. It's not ding-dong ditch. It's not name it and claim it. It's get on your knees and pray and fast and seek his face until. Until when? Until. That's it. Until he says, arise. Right? Who is the initiator of prayer? Who is the initiator? It says to be led by the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit says, get on your face, get on your face. When he says, finally get up, get up. That's a life led by the Holy Spirit. It's not led by your emotions. It's not led based on how you feel. If Jacob would have went to bed at a reasonable hour, he would have never prevailed with God. But he went all through the nights struggling with God. And in the morning, he had the victory. In our human logic, we say, well, it's 11.30. I ought to go to bed. But Jesus may say to you, I will be your strength and your sustenance. You just keep calling out to me. That's a life led by the Spirit. Amen? We all are guilty of ding-dong ditch. All of us are guilty. Even the most pious of among us. If there might be a pious one here. We are all guilty of ding, dong, ditch. Thinking we can just a simple knock, a simple approach, lay it there, leave a note, walk away, and God will honor it. But if that was the truth, then everything we read from Luke 18, Matthew 15, and on and on would make no sense. We are to be persevering. We are to have an importunity of our prayer. We are to be travailing in prayer, an agony of prayer. Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3 says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things that you know not. How many times do we in our own lives or we hear others wanting to know more about Jesus, wanting to have the breakthrough, wanting to have the revelation, wanting to understand the mysteries? Jesus says, fine, I want to give them to you. Call unto me. Till when? Until you get the revelation, until you get the victory. That's when you stop. That's a promise of Scripture. If you keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, keep on calling, he's faithful to answer. When? When the timing is perfect. When you have brought yourself that place of faith. Faith sometimes has to be conjured up, has to be built up. We need to be built up in the most holy faith. That time of travailing, that time of agony, that time of weeping, that time of fasting, it is all perfect. It is all wonderful for the disciple. It's the thing that makes you strong. It's this thing where if you pass that test, then the next thing you'll have you to pray will be something mightier and something greater, something that requires more faith. God is a God of precept upon precept. He'll never give you a burden which you cannot handle. He'll always ask you to pray for something that's within your realm of getting if you'll simply meet the condition. And when you pass that test, when you pass that hurdle, 
even despite the odds that come against you. Then he will say, now I can give you more talents. I can give you more. I can have you shake nations. I read the story of Reese Howells. I'm not sure if you've ever met, ever know his name. Reese Howells was in Wales during the time where the Germans were advancing against the whole of Europe. And he led a prayer intercessory group that they would pray, they'd be praying all night long sometimes. Be praying that God would frustrate the plans of the enemy. And the very things that they prayed for about the Germans, the Germans would do something foolish in their armory and, get, and have major defeat. Can you imagine being able to pray in such a way to change world events like that? We can do that. We can do that. James 1, 5 through 8 says, I'm going to read it from the Amplified, if any of you is deficient in wisdom, let him ask of the giving God who gives to everyone liberally and ungrudgingly without reproaching or fault finding and it will be given him. Only it must be in faith that he asks with no wavering, no hesitating, and no doubting. For the one who wavers, hesitates, and doubts is like the billowing surge out of the sea that is blown hither and thither and tossed by the wind. For truly, let no such person imagine that he will receive anything he asks for from the Lord. For being as he is, a man of two minds, hesitating, dubious, irresolute, he is unstable and unreliable and uncertain about everything he thinks, feels, and decides. One of the conditions for answered prayer is not merely persistence. It's not merely travailing. But there has to be faith that your heavenly father is going to give you that thing. How many people in here have been to a Bible study or to a prayer meeting where everyone who's praying, you just feel it's just dead prayers. They don't believe it's going to be answered any more than anything else. And you feel like weeping. You feel like crying. You feel like the Lord who says these very words, when I come back, will I find any faith? What kind of faith? Prevailing faith, travailing faith, one that'll cry and weep and fast and pray and grab hold of me and know that if he keeps on it, I will answer his prayer. Many times we do pray prayerless prayers. Has all the externals of what we call prayer, yet is rooted without faith in believing that your heavenly Father is going to grant that prayer. Pastor Handsome calls them dead hands. He says, when I'm sick, I don't want dead hands laid on me. That's prayerless praying. Saying the words, but no internal belief. That prayer will not be answered. According to James chapter 1. If you have a prayer request, if you have a need, if you call out with faith and believing that Jesus Christ can answer and will answer that need, then and only then are you on the grounds to receive the answer. Apart from that, the Bible says that you are like waves tossed back and forth, controlled by what? Your emotions, your intellect, everything except for the Spirit of God. How do I feel today? How do I want to do today? What do I want to do today? What shall I pray? How long shall I pray? Everything is dictated based on you. That is humanism. I decide. I'm God. I will dictate. Jesus came to set you free from you. We give a lot of credit to Satan. 
But you know that it's you that gives permission for Satan in your life. Don't just blame Satan for every little thing in your life, every little attack, every little this, every little that. Start screaming out Satan. Sometimes we need to scream out at us and say, the Lord rebuke this carnal man that's rising up within me. Amen? Amen? We need to, every single day, like we've been exhorted time and time again, to present our lives as a living sacrifice. Amen? A sacrifice, what happens to a sacrifice? It gets killed. You are a living sacrifice. Why? Because the resurrection of power of Jesus Christ is within you. So you can truly say that I am crucified with Christ and I no longer live, yet Christ lives within me. And you can make the proclamation that this life that I lead in the flesh, I will live in faith in the Son of God who loved me and who died for me. And you will not easily set aside the grace of God because you realize that if righteousness could be attained merely through obeying the law, then Christ died for nothing. You have been crucified with Christ, and every day he asks you the same thing. Will you lay your life down upon the altar? Because it is present and progressive. Every day you are to present yourself to him. Every day he wants to kill you and let him arise within you. That is a choice for the Christian. It is not automatic. It is not the default. The default, the carnal man. If you think you have the divine nature within you as if it is yours, then you are a fool. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says that we can what? We can become partakers of the divine nature. But to be a partaker of the divine nature necessitates a response from you. It is not automatic. Automatic, the flesh, the goat, the carnal man, whatever you want to call it. That is the default unless you choose the divine nature. Become a partaker of the divine nature. When shall you stop? Never. Never stop partaking of Jesus Christ. Remember what he said? Eat of my blood. Eat of my flesh. That's partaking of the divine nature. That's a choice that we can do every day. But you cannot partake of divinity and hold on to carnality. Amen? Amen. You cannot hold on to your carnality and think that you can go into your prayer closet and find victory. If you think that you can go into your prayer closet and hold on to sin, hold on to your carnality, then I'll tell you what, that prayer closet will only have one person in it. You. Because Jesus ain't going to hang out. He won't do it. He won't do it. When I'm in my prayer closet, I want Jesus with me. Because it gets real lonely in the prayer closet. And I get tired of me real quick. Prayerless praying. Ding-dong ditch. You know, some say if I persistently ask in prayer, then I will be doing what the Bible condemns by asking in vain repetitions. And I've heard people use that saying, you only need to pray once because if you keep praying, that shows that you doubt. And that shows that you just get in this vain repetition. Same thing over and over again. You should only have to pray once, brother. The Bible condemns vain repetitions. 
And my answer to that is the Bible does condemn vain repetitions. It doesn't condemn repetitions. Well, well. <laughs> it condemns vain repetitions. It doesn't condemn persistent and fervent and urgent repetitions. The Bible teaches that you have to keep coming and asking. The Canaanite woman had to ask more than once. What are you going to say? The word of God is wrong? What did he say to that woman? He said that she had great faith. You would say she has no faith. Hmm. I believe Jesus. There's nothing wrong with repetition if it's not vain. Vain repetition comes from the heart of doubt. The heart of James chapter 1. A person that's tossed back and fro and they lay hands and they say all these things and they have the external thing but they don't believe it in their heart. It's dead hands. It's empty words. That's vain repetitions. We don't need that. I don't want that. I don't want you to have that. I don't want you to pray for anyone in here with vain repetitions, empty words, filled with doubt and unbelief. I don't want you to be the person of ding-dong ditch who thinks you can just go and plug a button and run away and think that God's going to answer your prayer. I want you to be a man or a woman who's willing to pray until. That's the man I want to be. I say it in every sermon just about. I never say anything to a congregation that the Lord's not speaking to me. I wish sometimes that I could just put myself out there and look and just have a tape going. I, listen, because I am not speaking down to you. I am speaking right where I'm at. And I believe that as we're going to have victory in our Christian lives, victory is a church. If the church is going to have victory over this world, it has to be through prevailing prayer. If in prevailing prayer you fail, then by default the world will prevail. We cry out, and I, I, I believe and I believe that the reason and the culmination of this world has some dependency on the body of Christ. If only the body of Christ would rise up and be men and women of prayer, well, not ding-dong ditch prayer. God said, Jesus said, my house will be what? A house of prayer. But he goes on to define that prayer. It's travailing prayer, fervent prayer, righteous prayer. It's the prayer of a righteous man that avails much. You can't keep the carnality and think your prayers will be answered. If the church would just rise up and do this kind of prayer, then the nations would be one. Why haven't the nations been one yet? Because the church is spotted and wrinkled. Jesus says, I'm not coming for that church. I'm coming back for the church without spot and without wrinkle. And so I believe there will be a remnant within a remnant. Not all the church is the church. Just as surely as not all Israel is Israel. Not all who profess the name of Jesus Christ are truly Christians. It takes discernment. It takes wisdom. Jesus is saying the same thing today that he said 2,000 years ago. When I return, shall I find faith? He says that on the heels of a story about prayer. If you pray in fervency, that was what he's saying is an earmark of true faith. Don't take it out of its context. The context is about persevering prayer. Then he says, when I return, shall I find faith? 
What is he saying? That faith is the man or the woman of God who get on their faith and pray and seek and knock until the answer comes. That is faith. That is faith. I want to wind down with one more quote by a man that some of you might have heard the name before. His name is C.H. Spurgeon. Spurgeon says, One night alone in prayer might make us new men. Change from poverty of soul to spiritual wealth, from trembling to triumphing. We have an example of it in the life of Jacob. Aforetime, the crafty shuffler, always bargaining and calculating, unloving in almost every respect. Yet one night in prayer turned the supplanter into a prevailing prince and robbed him with celestial, robed him with celestial grandeur. From that night, he lives on the sacred page as one of the nobility of heaven. Could not we, at least now and then, in these weary, earthbound years, hedge about a single night for such enriching traffic with the skies? What? Have we no sacred ambition? Are we deaf to the yearnings of divine love? Yet, my brethren, for wealth, and for science, men will cheerfully quit their warm couches. And cannot we do it now and again for the love of God and the good of souls? Where is our zeal, our gratitude, our sincerity? I am ashamed while I thus upbraid both myself and you. May we often tarry at Jabbok and cry with Jacob as he grasps the angel, with thee all night I mean to stay and wrestle till the break of day. Surely, brethren, if we have given whole days to folly, we can afford a space for heavenly wisdom. Time was when we gave whole nights to chambering and wantonness, to dancing and to the world's revelry. We did not tire then. We were chiding the sun that it rose so soon. And wishing the hours would lag a while that we might delight in our wild merriment and perhaps deeper sin. Oh, wherefore should we weary in heavenly employments? Why grow we weary in heavenly employments? Why grow we weary when asked to watch with our Lord? Up, sluggish hearts, Jesus calls thee. Rise and go forth to meet the heavenly friend in the place where he manifests himself. I believe these words were written about 100 years ago or more, a couple hundred years ago by Spurgeon. And I believe the words are true today. We must be men and women of travailing prayer, prayer of importunity, prayer that seeks the face of God and to the victory is had. This congregation, this community needs such Christians who are willing to understand that prayer is the work and everything comes out of prayer. If you'll be a man or a woman of prayer, then every external work beyond that will be work of efficiency. God will be able to bless you, to lead you, and to guide you if you'll put down childish habits of ding-dong ditch, 
and go on to the full maturity of Jesus Christ. Are you willing, Jesus asks you, to be a man or a woman of fervent, persistent prayer? It is an opportunity. He will not force it upon you. He will only ask you and whisper in your ear, are you willing to seek me while I can be found? Are you willing to come into your clo the closet and seek me? Because I have much to tell you, much to reveal to you. Will we meet the conditions of God? Hallelujah. Do we realize that we have a heavenly father who longs to lavish himself upon you? Do we realize that? Do we think that God grudgingly gives gifts? He holds back and says, I don't want to give it up. He wants to give it to you. He wants to reveal himself to you. He wants to have relationship with you. He wants to know you. One of the scriptures that always comes back in my mind is Matthew 7, 21, where the men and women of God at one time will come and say how much they've done for Jesus Christ. Yet Jesus will say, away from me, I never knew you. Jesus just wants to know you. He's not interested first and foremost in the signs and wonders that come out of your ministry. He wants to know you. Will you make yourself and put yourself in a place to be known by God? Amen? This word is in it not by itself a word of great encouragement that makes you feel puffed up and great as you leave this place. I'm okay with that. If you feel a little puny, so do I. I spent probably six, eight hours in preparation to speak this. I've heard a lot more of this than you have. I've had much more opportunity to feel convicted and repent of my sin for ding-dong ditch, doubtless, doubtful prayers. And so I'm okay if you feel puny. I'm okay with that because I am not here so simply you can be, have your ears tickled and feel great and skip and hop out of this place. I want the word of God to come and prick your hearts. I'm willing for someone to say, that was a hard word. I'm okay with that. It is a hard word. It shouldn't make you feel joyful at the onset. It will make you joyful as you repent. And that's what I found out. Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. And if I will simply continue to repent, then I can continually rejoice. Rejoicing never comes without repentance. If you don't want to repent, you get no joy. You get happiness. Depends on happenings up and down, tossed to and fro like the waves of the sea. But if you want joy unspeakable, full of glory, then you have to repent. Continually repenting and rejoicing. And so today is a day to hear the word of God, and now you have a chance to respond to the word of God. Yes. I'm going to ask whoever might want to play the piano would come forth now, and we are going to close in dedicating ourselves afresh and anew to the purposes of God. Yes. We are going to lay aside childish games of ding-dong ditch, yes. and we are going to say, Lord... I reinstate my closet to thee. And I make a decision today to lay aside the things that entrap me, the things that harass me, the sins that so easily beget me. 
I am gonna lay them aside, realizing that I cannot bring them into my closet and have them cohabitate with holiness, continually repenting and rejoicing. So today is a place, if you wanna come forth and spend a few moments here at the front, that's fine. If you wanna spend some time in the pew where you're at, that's fine. But please do not leave here the way you came. Amen? Amen. If you came one way and you leave the same way, then the work of the Holy Spirit has failed in your life. Not because the Holy Spirit's a failure, because you chose to reject the word of the Lord. And so respond to the Lord today. Respond to Jesus Christ. Commit your life. Commit your prayer closets afresh and anew today. Pledge your allegiance that you'll be a man or a woman of prevailing prayer as you're willing to cry out to the Lord and get the answer. Let's spend a few moments and do business with God this afternoon. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Tune in at this same time, Monday through Friday, on this radio station for the next exciting edition of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.